Doctrine and Devotion's fourth annual conference is going down Friday and Saturday, September 18th and 19th in St. Charles, Illinois. It's going to be on Covenant Theology, and you want to be there. Everybody's canceling because of COVID. We ain't getting canceled. Stay tuned for more details. Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast exploring your phone is ringing. Oh, wow. Shocking. It's your boss calling. Mm -hmm. You do have a boss, the owner of the company. Yep. Mm -hmm. He calls every time. Now, does he call every... Does he just call all the time or does he... I seem to call when we're together. I feel like he knows when I'm having fun. Oh, that's what it is. And he's like, that boy should be working. Yeah. So it's like, it's every time I'm with you. Okay. And then every time mm-hmm. Michelle and I yeah. are getting ready get, oh. to watch our show. Okay. Like we sit down, get ready you to watch the show. Got the popcorn. And uh, I have a we'll, beverage. We'll, yeah. We open a, a bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. I'm Jimmy Fowler, executive pastor at Redeemer Fellowship. And then my phone goes off and she just goes, it's him. <laughs> and I'm like, how does he know? Well, yeah. And like, I, it's literally, I only get to that point when I just get done doing all my emails. Right. You're fine. So, you finish for the day. I'm like, oh, 745, 8 o'clock. Yep. Kids are in bed. I'm done with my emails. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and watch something, sweetie. And then we'll we'll retire to the, I don't know what you call it, the it's, bedroom. Yeah. The Netflix and chill room. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And, fine. and and you know, sure enough, phone rings. But not last night, last night, uh, you texted me and you're like, "I just got home." It was like ten. I know oh, it was a, a long it, night. Yeah, it was a long, long night, day. long day, long day. Mm. So yeah, we uh, but it was a good one. It was a good one. We went over to uh, my brother's house uh, as a family. My sister was there. Oh, that wasn't work. No, no, it wasn't. Oh, come on, yeah. it's not a long day. That's it. Was day. still long. Yeah, I was tired. Yeah. I was relaxed. Oh, you don't even hang out with you. You hang out with no one, so you have no idea what I don't it's even like hang out with my family. Exactly. No. No. So yeah, we got together, had a meal, everyone enjoyed each other's company. Good. And I watched uh, episode two of season four of Dana White's Contender Series. Oh, yeah. It's good. It's a good one, yeah. He, gave, like he, gave, he gave like five. He gave five contracts yesterday. Nice. Dana, that was too many. Oh, really? Too ma- only two of them yeah. deserved it. Mm-hmm. He was in a giving mood. Right. Well, that's rare for Dana. Yeah. He, and he kept saying, I just got back from vacation. So I know I kind of cut us off there, but if you're new to the podcast, uh, Jimmy and I, my name is Joe, uh, we are pastors at a church in uh, St. Charles, Illinois. And uh, this is a podcast where we talk about theology, Christian life, but from a Reformed Baptist perspective. Mm-hmm. And normally on Mondays, what we're doing is we're going through the 1689 uh, Second London Confession, but... We done. We did the whole thing. I am over it. All 32 I never want to talk about it again. Stop it. People are going to take you seriously. No, I just oh never. I don't, even, I don't even believe anymore. So what we're going to do, uh, today we've got some stuff we want to talk about, but um, we're going to uh, continue to explore Reformed Baptist or particular Baptist theology from a confessional um, and experiential perspective. We're going to continue to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But today I wanted to hear how it went. You were on the radio. You were on WYLL. WYLL. Yeah, I was with Ian Simpkins. Do you remember Ian? Yes. Yes, I know Ian. Yeah. How do you know uh, I was on his radio. Yeah, show. before that happened. Yeah, uh, we met. Where? Conference. Which conference? I don't remember. Huh. Yeah. So there was a time I introduced Joe to Ian. <laughs> Ian's a Judson guy. <laughs> Years ago, mm-hmm. and actually, that's where I first uh, met him. Not like we, we weren't in class or anything. He was uh, uh, Chris Lash. Remember Chris Lash? Yeah, I know Chris. So uh, he had him over for uh, uh, to do uh, chapel. 
All right, so tell everybody who Ian is. Oh, Ian's sorry. A, what is a pastor? He is a pastor mm-hmm. over here in Naperville, and uh, he was teaching over at Judson or part-time, kind of doing some things chapel-wise, and he guessed uh, in certain courses. Um, but yeah, Ian, solid guy. Good guy. Really, really solid. Funny Loves guy, the Lord. Too. Funny, uh, down-to-earth. Uh, love his heart, man. Love his heart. And so uh, Ian is a co-host of a radio show with a, another pastor named Brian Frum. Uh, and I don't know Brian very well. He's another pastor out somewhere. So they do a show called The Common Good. Is it The Uncommon Good? No, or no. The Common the Good. The Common Good. So it's common. Mm. No, but you know, what's that? It should the be one? Uncommon Good. That's why, a why better should title. It be, why should it be because Uncommon Good? Because it's a better title. Because Common Good is the phrase everybody knows. And you, you, you no, switch see, it up. Here's you the flip thing. it. No, no, no. The Uncommon yeah, Good. Here, but here's the thing. It's the common good that everyone knows, they know of, but don't practice. Yeah, that's why it's Uncommon. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jimmy, for proving my point. I literally just proved your point, <laughs> and you have won me over. You have won me okay, over Ian, to your side. Talk to us, and we got a guy that can help you with branding. For new, <laughs> the new title. So, why did they ask you and not me to be on the radio? I don't get that. Like, did, uh, did, did you already turn it down? Nope, Is this your nope, way? Nope. Okay. I didn't. He didn't even think of me. He like skipped ah. me entirely. So, uh, Daniel Urban, remember Daniel? You know yeah, Daniel. I Daniel with the awesome thick hair. Yeah. I know Dan. Really. Yeah. So Daniel Erman. Uh, he just sent me. A, he just sent me a, a request to shoot a video for their thing. Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. But not not a radio spot though. So okay. Ah. Well, so Daniel, I guess contacted them and contacted their producer and said, "Hey, you know, maybe reach out to Fofo, see if he'll come on." So they reached out. The guy reached out. It was nice. Uh, they were very professional. John was great. So you did it. I did it. Yeah. Oh, you you, you got that request and you were just ready to do it. I don't, I don't know what's going on. I'm just asking. I feel like there's a joke coming around. No joke. No, I just, my recollection is, is you were not going to do it until I told you to do it. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's probably true recollection. <laughs> You're like, I'm busy. I, well, yeah, yeah. I, well, I was thinking like, man, I, well, here's what made it easier for me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not concerned about COVID. You know that. Right. Uh, but I didn't, I was thinking to myself, I can't drive to where they're going to go yeah. and get there in time to record and then get back to where I need you to be. You got stuff to do. I got stuff to do. But they were doing it over the online, which yeah. the audio is just never as good. So, I, I, you know. I had that going for me. But either way, it worked. It was a lot of fun Good. talking with them. Yeah. What did you guys talk about? Yeah. I wasn't able to hear it because like when the radio hmm. when it finally hits the radio, I'm busy. Yeah. Oh, you're busy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Too busy for this? Too busy for that. So we talked COVID and ministry, which was good. Uh, talked about how to support your pastors during this time. Uh, just kind of the overall you know, cultural dynamics of shepherding uh, a people where you've got individuals that are kind of, uh, you know, anti-COVID mm-hmm. and anti-any right. measures uh, and others that are uh, a bit more cautious, or maybe overly cautious. COVID I think that's crazy, like, yeah. Yeah, I, you know what? I'm actually willing to say that. Yeah. Because I think there is that two middle, th- there are two extremes and I think there is a middle ground of being cautious and yet yeah. at the same time, you know, respecting people's freedoms and not letting them be infringed upon by a tyrannical government trying to overthrow us, right? Yeah, And exactly. subjugate us to uh, their will as this big social experiment that we now have. Rush Limbaugh this morning was really talking about how next uh, Bill Gates is going to be putting the chip on our, on, oh, in our skull. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Bill couldn't even handle viruses in, in Windows. How is he going to handle the virus of the pandemic? You know, he, uh, that, the whole Windows thing shows I saw that, that meme and that was, that was so great. <laughs> I saw that meme that I cannot take credit for that. I saw that meme and I remembered it. I don't remember where I got it from, but it was a great, that was a great meme. Okay, so you get on the radio um, and you're, you're talking to the guys about COVID and ministry. And cookies. And cookies. Well, I was going to ask you, what's the dumbest thing you said on air? You know what? Uh, it, I think it was the cookies. What was this? Well, all right, so we're talking. I'm like, 
you know, here are the pastors I feel bad for, the pastors that are by themselves, right? Mm -hmm. the, the ones that don't have like the elder boards. Solo are, pastor. Solo pastor. I'm like, and here's the thing. You know, we weren't really trained for this. No. We, you didn't have that. You, we sat there thinking it was just going to be Bibles, prayer meetings, and I thought some old lady was going to give me cookies every week. Where are my cookies? That's what I said. Where are my cookies? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, what? I go, oh, where are they? You're going to get some cookies in this next week, I bet. Yeah, maybe. So I was like, yeah, you know, that's what I was expecting going into the ministry. Yeah. The old phrase among Baptists is... Um, baptisms budgets and buildings right the, the three b's uh they, they that's that kind of a common humorous way to talk about what we focus on yeah uh, which yeah, is yeah. altogether untrue and though it's not healthy we should be much more about much more than that um but yeah we're not trained for this so just i'd like to know like what was what did you guys talk about what did you come away with what are some of the things that you think are important for people to be um thinking about on this yeah i mean i think uh overall um really supporting your pastor in this right it is not easy there's this tension I, I shared with them i don't even think i shared this with you joe dang i might have shared something with ian simpkins before i shared it with you yeah so after our meeting on sunday i got i came home and uh i started shaking why i i don't i don't know i just started getting like a panic like anxiety and uh like my kids are sitting there going uh, trying to talk to me and hang out with me. And I just like, man, you, you got to give daddy a few minutes. Yeah. Just got to give me a few minutes. Uh, and part of it was like, I just kept sitting there playing over in my head and, and praying, asking like, what, what, what's the right move here? Right. As far as like, how do, how do we continue to navigate and shepherd our people during this pandemic, mm -hmm. uh, uh, or whoever you are, that's fine. But there's still that sense for me of like, I get that there's a 99% survival rate but there's still a 1% risk for some of our people, yeah. right? And we've seen real people get sick and die. And that's just it. And so like my frustration is I hear people talk about, you know, like Trump at the beginning of this, when the reporter asked, what's the acceptable death rate? He goes, that's such a stupid question. One is too many. And yet all of a sudden 1% is acceptable, right? And that to me is like, I don't know where that, where as a, as a believer, I can accept that, right? And so I'm just sitting there just really like, I was, I was just overwhelmed mm -hmm. with that. And I was like, I, I know how I am, and I'm not saying every pastor's like that, right? Um, because they all have more courage than me. I get it. Uh, but I do think that they wrestle with this tension of how do I how do I continue to have us gather together at the same time, making sure I'm protecting the vulnerable. Uh, and so I, I really just uh, really wanted to just focus on that and mm -hmm. that's so i said you know what support them because it's not easy yeah. this is not easy for people man this is not easy for our pastors to be navigating through this so pray for them encourage them support them and essentially give them the benefit of the doubt yeah. you know like they're not they're not they're not i don't know some people might be i'm just saying i i i think generally those in the pastor right now that are dealing with this that they're they're doing their best yeah give them the benefit of the doubt, of the doubt that they're doing their best with totally. the information that they have and I think one of the things to keep in mind is because I hear what you're saying and I totally agree. And one of the ways I think that we can support churches can support um, their the, the the leaders there is by being for the church, not to steal from Midwestern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but be about your church. And you know, there's a lot of people talking online the last couple of days. I forget exactly who said it, but um, it started with I think one guy in particular. And now a lot of people are talking about how. In two years, a bunch of guys that are pastors right now are going to be out because of the increasing division and hostility 
between warring factions within our churches that mm. might have mm. been there under the surface but not really dealt with before. But now it's all coming to light because of our culture and, the, and this pandemic and everything else. Um, and so people are kind of batting that back and forth. And I think it's – I don't I don't know what the timeline is or what the percentage is. But, yeah, I, I do think that there are tensions in our churches that shouldn't be there. Or if they are there, they should be able to be dealt with in a Christian way. So I think that making sure that you as a church member are for your church, mm-hmm. that you're focusing on the essentials, that you're willing to, to show – charity and patience towards your fellow members if they disagree with you yeah um even over some things that are important and that that's why i, I think like because like I, I don't want people to hear us saying support your pastor as if your pastor is the most important thing no no but you were asked about ministry and how people should be uh dealing with this and so yeah you've got leadership that is responsible for a group of people in a number of ways and i do i agree i think most pastors out there are trying to do their best now listen just because you're doing your best doesn't mean that that's good enough sometimes our best is terrible i agree and so that's when we need correction we need help we need guidance for sure for sure but the but the notion of just like you said attacking Mm -hmm. and trying to uh bring someone down because they have a different viewpoint than you or you disagree like you you vehemently disagree uh with their view i think that's the unhealthy aspect of it that we've seen just because within the church i think it's just been so I, I've, we're seeing that pockets of just politics. Yeah. You know? Well, I think patience is probably one of the most important words in my mind in light of this issue, mm. um, COVID and the church, COVID and the ministry, because we don't know how long this is going to take. We don't know. Yeah. Every time we think we're making some good progress, there's a couple of steps back. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got governments making decisions and, and people making decisions. And you got people with ulterior motives. I yeah. mean, it'd be naive. It'd mm-hmm. be naive of me not to think that there's politics at play here, right. that th- things are not overblown. That's naive. You right? don't have to think it's a scandemic no. to recognize that politicians are going to use the crisis for their own purposes. Exactly. To yeah. get their agenda, to get their, you know, get, uh, uh, well, to get who they want elected in. Yeah, you should be happy. Kamala Harris is now uh, Biden's VP. So I know you're excited about that. You know, uh, I would be excited if she was consistent with what she has said about Biden. <laughs> about anything? About, about <laughs> well, I'm th- talking about specifically Biden. about Biden. And then all of a sudden, uh, it, it's totally. They're besties. You know, they're besties. Yeah. And it's like, uh, I felt like what you said the first time was it it, it it stuck to the you know the, what was truly happening and all of a sudden now you're on the ticket and huh i no longer believe the ladies yeah it's uh it's i think it's going to go bad for them you know i'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing i'm just saying that's uh that's interesting yeah it's an interesting pick so maybe what should have happened is maybe a cory booker oh, would should have been up on there like can you imagine the fun we would have what if wild eyed Cory Booker was on that ticket. That would be no. It. I'm talking. He should have been on the front of that. He should have been at the top of that ticket. That man was consistent. That I mean, man was this genuine, <laughs> genuinely what? crazy. What? Oh my gosh! What are you talking about? Are we talking about the same person? Cory Booker is a drama mama. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. Ah. Uh, anyways, I got a lot of respect for that man. Really? Yeah. Okay, we'll have a talk afterwards. Oh. We'll talk about some things he says. Oh, okay. Uh, well, let me go. Yeah. Why don't you go put on your Alex Jones hat? Uh, and I don't like Alex which, Jones. I'm don't still trying to figure out Jones. who sent me that Fox box. Not me. Who sent me that Fox box? I have no idea still, and no one has told me. 
Well, uh, whoever it is, um, thank you. Thank you for um, for blessing Jimmy and blessing me by blessing Jimmy, mm. signing him up for the Fox thing. All right. Well, that was my time. It was on WYLL. It's called uh, The Common Good. Uncommon Good. No, it should be The Uncommon Good, but it's called The Common Good on 1160 AM. Guys, I am big time. Big time. I am big time on the AM. The Hope. 1160 The Hope. Man, uh, YLL's been around for a long time. So uh, it's pretty cool. I've actually been, they're, they're building, they have a whole, they're, like, they're in a big building. Mm. And uh, I was there for a thing. And uh, it's a legit, like old school, but modern. I'm not all saying right, it's old. Right. It's not, I'm not saying it's janky. It's nice, but old school radio style thing. You know, nice. Like, okay. With all cough right. buttons and Ooh. all this stuff. Yeah, it's pretty neat. All right. I think all we right. need, hey, Ian, we need to have Jimmy and I in. To go in there together, take Ooh. over. Let us take over. Ooh, mm-hmm. we could have our own show, like Daniel wanted us to. We told him no. Uh, I don't want to do our own show, but <laughs> we could come in and do a, like a, a special, like uh, April first. Let us come in on April first, oh. and just we're taking over. That'd be fun. Well, well, the other thing that I thought we could we could talk a little bit mm-hmm. about is an email that we got from a listener and right, a, a person that we know, uh, at least that I know fairly well. Um, this was something that we got from uh, Lori, and uh, you can find her online, Lori Chapman. She's very uh, active on social media, and uh, she sent us an email in response to our John Christ podcast. Now, her email's a little long, but I, I want to read it so that you can hear what she has to say, because I think what she says is good. All right, I'm going to sit back. You got this. You can chill. You can smoke your cigar. And, um, and full disclosure, uh, Lori and her family were members of the first church that I planted with a bunch of other people. It wasn't just me um, uh, back in the day. And uh, so I knew her back then. I can't tell you her story. That's her story to tell. But um, good lady. And so here is what she had to say. Dear Joe and Jimmy, I listened to a recent podcast where you guys talked about John Christ's public apology video and wanted to reach out about a few things you said and some thoughts I had as a result. Keep in mind, everybody, this is Joe talking now. Um, listen to how she approaches people that she might want to lovingly correct and learn from this. Because this is how you can move people to consider what they're saying and how they're saying it. She doesn't put us on blast, but she is, I believe, offering us some helpful advice, direction, correction, and all of that. All right. First, I appreciated your reservations about his words being sufficient with respect to addressing his sin. This is important. Remorse, or what scripture uh, refers to as sorrow, which is almost always expressed with emotion, can be either godly or ungodly. It is impossible to discern another person's sincerity or contrition because, as you mentioned, we can't know the heart based on their expression of remorse or sorrow alone. A person might be truly full of sorrow over the impact of their sin on another, but they might just as easily be filled with sorrow for themselves over the consequences they, may, uh, they must pay for their sins. We can't know based on emotion expressed. These are necessary first things in repentance, who could be truly repentant without at least trying to communicate their sorrow over sin, but alone they are absolutely insufficient measures to trust whether an individual has repented. I know you didn't say all that, and I don't know for sure if these things would be included in why you had the reservations you did, but having endured many such apologies, I share these reservations for at least these reasons and wanted to say so. Second, I was somewhat disappointed that you shied away from any kind of accountability. You, both if I recall correctly, seem to indicate that for a few reasons, not being his pastors, him not being in ministry, etc., 
didn't feel that it was your place or responsibility to hold him accountable. While I understand that the lack of personal engagement you may have with him might lead you to take this position, I need to really push back on this. You are his brothers and you are publicly addressing this. They're, they're, these are two levels of accountability already, and I fear you've lost a good opportunity for John, whether he would ever listen to you or not, and for your listeners who are obviously listening to you. You've said on plenty of, plenty of occasions that it is loving to call a fellow believer away from sin, and I agree with you wholeheartedly on this. It does not cease to be loving if the sinner doesn't listen. At the very least, you could have demonstrated that loving approach by talking about his need to back any words up with actions that were demonstrably different over the course of time and testing. A public figure whose entire platform is based on Christians poking fun at Christians is a gray area to consider ministry, I admit. But the fact that the vast majority of his market base is within the church ought to signal the alarms of protection you have. I was saddened that you didn't mention anything along those lines. It is also important, especially as leaders, to model what holding someone accountable looks like, and that it is okay to accept words of apology, but to also expect to see real fruit of repentance. It's important to teach people that forgiveness is not a blind, ignorant, or gullible position of accepting anything someone says as truth, but it is a knowing, it is costly, and it is costly, uh, this might be a typo, but it is a knowing, costly one, willing, willingly taken in the presence of true repentance. The allegations and charges against John Christ were serious and portray patterns of bullying and coercive behavior against women over a long period of time. No single apology can or should be sufficient for the accountability or consequences of this kind of habituated sin to be lifted. Doing so quickly and easily does damage to both the sinner and his victims. A better test than the words is how a repenter responds to having the thing that enabled him to sin taken away. In John Christ's case, his status and celebrity were the vehicles which gave him the power and position to bully and harass. It is deeply concerning that these are the very things he most wants to regain. We all need help in seeing. You could have taught your listeners how to identify what John is fighting for by pointing out more of what he did and didn't say. Lastly, and possibly most importantly, given the nature and duration of his acknowledged areas of sin, there are actually some alarming red flags in his, quote, apology. I don't blame you guys for missing these things. These are commonly misunderstood. But because I believe you want to be a part of the process for the church learning to respond better and be, and more appropriately, all right, let me start over here again. It's a long email, but it's good. But because I believe you want to be part of the process of the church learning to respond better and more appropriately to issues surrounding abuse and the exploitation of the vulnerable, I want to share them with you. My hope is that you will see and learn and help others do the same. First, as you indicated, a 10-year history of using one's power and position to harass and or exploit young women and engaging in sexual sin to the point of addiction are not mistakes. These are serious sins, which are not only complex in the roots from which they grow, but also in the nature of their impact. Repeatedly minimizing or denying any of this indicates a worrying lack of understanding of the nature and substance of his actions, attitudes, and the damage he has caused to others. Second, John's apology was all about John. He spoke about himself, his career, his struggles, and the impact all of this has had on him. He barely mentioned that he hurt women that he harassed and or exploited in a later interview uh, he did. But in this video, which he obviously prepared for and looked forward to releasing, he doesn't even mention the women that he has sinned against or harmed. In fact, he has not offered any words of conciliation towards his victims. He hasn't offered or done anything 
for their healing. He minimized the time frame, nature of, and impact of his sins against these women. He spent a long time trying to explain why he sinned the way he did in an effort to shift the responsibility of his actions onto that onto what he might want us to conclude were mitigating circumstances. Most troubling of all, according to his apology, he wants people to feel very sorry for his struggle, that he is the victim in the need of comfort and care, which is a telling and insidious distortion of the truth. Finally, his focus was on what he needed to on that he needed to get healthy in the video. Uh, he refers specifically to being mentally healthy and taking care of his mental health. But in the Charisma article, he says physically, spiritually, and mentally healthy. He is focused on regaining what he has lost as a result of the exposure by others of his sin. He spends a lot of time talking about wanting to reestablish the support he had from his fan base rather than supporting those he harmed. These indicate a concerning disregard for his victims and an unwillingness to do difficult internal work of being transformed. He does need to get healthy in the areas mentioned, but it won't happen if he refuses to face the truth of his sins, mainly that these were his sins. I don't know if your podcast released before or after, and then she's got some stuff there. Um, I hope you hear my heart in all of this, that I long only for you to grow in your ability to love and shepherd the church as Jesus does to greater and greater degrees. Serving him with you, Lori. All right. So, Jimmy? Not easy to read so long, huh? Yeah, that's, but that's a huh. long one. Yeah. Mm. You mess up when you have to read mm. one sentence. That's the difference. Mm. Okay, so, okay. You know what? Nobody's perfect, Jimmy. Okay? Oh, uh, Nobody's just, perfect. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You're not going to apologize That's, that's my me? John Christ apology. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, obviously, uh, we, we actually received a few emails uh, or uh, social media messages on this. And some people, uh, you know, a few people just sort of like said, you guys blew it. And then other people... You know, said, I wish you would have gone deeper. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. what Lori does here is she says, I wish you would have gone into this in a more holistic, better, more detailed way. Mm-hmm. So here are hearts in this. Um, your, heart's, we, your heart's on the other side. No, mine isn't. Oh, okay. I was born, my heart is on this side. Right, I'm just saying, if you're going to say, yeah. here are hearts, to yeah. actually touch your heart. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, well, it's right here. That, that's that's where it is. Mm-hmm. It's on the other side. Mm. Yeah. Anyways, go ahead. Left-handed people have their hearts on the left, but and right-handed people have it on the right. But I'm I'm right-handed and it's here. No, it's not. You're good getting that right. Anyways, nobody cares. <laughs> Jimmy, do you take issue or disagree with any of her points that, that Lori is making in this email? Uh, I mean, it's a long one. I don't take issue with anything. Uh, that's for sure. It's definitely given me a lot to reconsider as I go through it. Uh, I, I can appreciate just – I do appreciate the notion of uh, – she didn't say give it time, but there was like time is like he. I'm trying to phrase this correctly, right? I know what you're saying. Yeah, part of what she said is part of this process for him is to see what happens next. Yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, I agree. Uh, and I think we tried making that point. At least maybe, maybe I did it poorly. I, I, you know what? I have to go re-listen before I even say I said anything. Um, but I do remember saying that I was satisfied with it, and I thought maybe along those lines I'd said, "But time's going to tell." Yeah. But I don't remember if I actually said that. Yeah, and well, I think I remember what we talked about was is um, you might have said that that yeah I think that that's good and I said I wouldn't that would not be acceptable for one of us as an apology uh, because he didn't say enough and so I think that and then when I said would you be would you accept that as my apology to others and I think you were like well no that's, that's no not a- no and I, but, and I think part of that though along along those lines is I I know you know better right. Like, I know you know better, and uh, I, I think I also mentioned, 
I don't know his background and right. I don't know his his denomination, mm-hmm. but I'd been in those denominations where mistakes was code for sin, right? Mm-hmm. Where like repentance and and learning how, how to express that repentance mm-hmm. wasn't really wasn't really taught, wasn't right. exemplified, it wasn't encouraged. It was uh and so I don't know, like I, for you, I, I hold you to a, I do, I hold you to a higher standard. I hold you to a higher standard because I, no, let me phrase that. I hold you to the right standard because I know you know how. And I think what, I think what she's saying is, is, okay, so let's just say he hasn't been taught or trained and doesn't know what to do. Then we should still, since we are addressing it, have said. And I think that's fair. Yeah, I that's think totally that's fair, fair what she said. Because mm-hmm. uh, essentially, I mean, as soon as when I, when we read this, uh, when she said, well, you know, you're saying you're not going to hold him accountable, yet you just did twice. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I was like, oh, snap. Yeah. Oh, you so right. Lori I was like, playing. Lori, Lori, yeah, yeah, she's right. Okay, okay, okay. So, yeah, I think that, um, so, yes, uh, we, I don't think if, well, let me just say this. Um, as we dealt with that, it had just dropped, and we said, hey, let's just talk about this thing. And We're uh, really good at jumping in. We'll just jump in and talk about it. Yeah. And because, listen. That's what everybody does, right? We're just jumping in. And part of what this podcast is, is a lot of it, uh, like the podcast that we're recording today, we're not prepping for. We're just going to talk. But that's not an excuse to not do better and to not go deeper Mm. when it warrants it. And this subject did warrant it. We could have done a lot better. We should have, uh, I believe, we should have dealt with the issue more seriously, um, not because we weren't taking it seriously at all, but because by treating it only superficially, it at least gives the impression that maybe we don't understand uh, enough of the problem with his apology or we aren't offering enough guidance for other people as yeah. you know, pastors. And, and then what about the volume of apology, right? Like how, how many, because like uh, I think she had uh, – I got to find it in there, but it was uh, along lines of like, it's more than once. And I don't know if she was referring to like the audience should be apologizing to the public or is she talking about apologizing to the individuals individually? Now she's right. He didn't name them. Right. Um, but he didn't even in the video, he didn't even address the he victims. Didn't, and, and that, and I agree yeah. with her on that. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's a, a really, that's a good point. So I think that, um, so let me just say a couple of things here as we're as we're looking at this. Um, yes, uh, he did not the couching it as mistakes, addiction, um, focusing on himself, his career, his struggles, mm-hmm. his burden. All of that is really beside the point of real repentance. Um, I think I think that is important. Um, he does need to get healthy. That's a good thing to talk about, but it's got to be talked about in the context of dealing with real sins. Yeah. So, um, listen, Lori, you know, you, you, you know, you know us. Uh, well, she knows you. Yeah. But, but she listens enough. I think she got, she has All a right, good right. vibe of who we are and what we're about. Okay. 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 Um, so we really do appreciate your clear, uh, and detailed and measured response to us because we value feedback. Like we want to know, how to do better like jimmy and i are always we just had a guy in here a professional mm-hmm, audio video mm-hmm. guy in here looking at our stuff and uh just to give us some feedback and we're saying like hey uh what, what are we yeah, doing wrong? yeah you're not gonna hurt our feelings yeah we we, we we tell us what we're doing wrong and how we can do it better because we want to do things better same with ministry same with theology right same with shepherding people same with being a friend like we yeah, want yeah. to be better 
than we are. And this sort of a thing is helpful. So, yep, I do, I do agree that um, we need to be more diligent in addressing the sensitive issues and the important issues a bit more thoroughly, even yeah. if we are just riffing. To sort of like let's press down into it mm -hmm. you know some of our conversations are just going to be fun we're just going to be having some fun and sharing our perspectives but most of what we wind up talking about is trying to come from a biblical perspective yeah and uh yeah we want a godly sorrow not a worldly sorrow we want evangelical repentance the puritans used to talk about not just legal repentance where we're sorry that we got caught or we're sorry about the impact that it has had on us mm. but evangelical or gospel repentance because we have offended god and hurt people made in god's image and for that we are grieved so Thank you, Lori. And, uh, you know, you can uh, you can find her uh, online. I'll put it in the show notes because I, I don't have it right here at me. But you, if you want to uh, follow Lori on social media, you can do that. Check her stuff out. And she is definitely uh, a voice for um, abuse survivors. Well, we'd love to hear your thoughts. You can follow us online on Instagram and Twitter at Doc and Diva or on Facebook slash Doctrine and Devotion. You can head to the website, DrVotion.com. There you can contact us. You can sign up for the email blast. Head up to the store, JoeFoStore.com and grab some gear. And oh, Joey. You know what? Just what? to say, just want to, get, to give you guys some information. Mm -hmm. Friday and uh, Saturday, September 18th and 19th, we've got the Doctrine and Devotion Conference on Covenant Theology featuring Dr. Sam Renahan as the keynote speaker. You want to get in mm. on the goods, so go to Doctrine and devotion.com slash conference to get the information and register. Can we talk about the hangout? Oh. Shall we talk? Can we mention it? You want to save it for Thursday or do you want to talk about it now? You know, let's save it for Thursday. Oh, it's going to be, it's it's gonna gonna be, be the most epic hangout ever. Don't say that. Then, well, you know, you got to set the bar low. It's going to be the worst hangout you've ever thought of. Fresh pot every Monday and Thursday. Blog post on Wednesdays. Later. Later.